From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Robert, it's me, it's Mike, it is Mike Davidson lives. Thank you for downloading this latest episode and keeping me out of trouble as I record this uh, early Early on a Sunday evening for a change. By 9 o'clock, everybody in the house is asleep and I'm all footballed out. Otherwise, I'd be watching uh, Packers-Lions in real time. I guess I'll have to wait and uh, comment on that game, maybe, coming up for the next podcast. But I figured, eh, since I got some coffee in me, since I got some free time, and I don't have to chase around a screaming baby or toddler, I got three of these kids, um, <laughs> might as well get this one out of the way. Um, now, they, they were pretty decent this weekend. We actually took them to uh, the Fort Wayne Museum of Art. Here in Fort Wayne, obviously, uh, Saturday. Didn't know how that was going to go. The Logan was a little loud at first, but then with all the art around him, you know, and him being uh, almost two, he passed out. It's it's amazing. He's almost two years old. Uh, he will be two in May, and his sister Hazel's going to be four coming up here in a few weeks. Lana's five. She's got two teeth missing. Anyway, enough of me aging myself, but we went to the museum, and they, I guess they had some class artwork as the main focus of uh, the displays at the Fort Wayne Museum of Art. And we took a gander, pretty cool stuff. Um, and of course, you know, they were quiet, they were well-behaved, nothing got broke, I'm not being sued. That's always a plus, but uh, some pieces to comment on. Uh, God, what was it? Uh, there was one thing called Across the River Sticks that looked ungodly apocalyptic to me because uh, it had this dark green gray look to it and it looked like I was looking across this uh, the river to a to a desolate destroyed city that's very uplifting stuff right so you know sticks is associated with death maybe that was kind of the point um, and then there was this really bizarre mirror thing where uh, I was talking about uh, how to achieve immortality and it just had these images kind of reflect back on back and forth on each other uh, infinitely, a little uh, trick of the eye, very cool thing. But um, I think my favorite one, and it really spoke to me. It was called, I think it was called Serendipity, and it was just basically this block uh, with two colors. Uh, one was black and one was amber. And of course, when I saw black, I thought co coffee, and amber, I thought beer. And those things do make me happy. Uh, those things I do enjoy. Uh, so we actually lasted a good hour in the place and again no one's suing us nothing got knocked over and uh, it was just a guy nice to do something different get out of the house and uh, experience culture before you know the kids go out in the parking lot and make fart jokes because that's what kids do especially my kids um uh, we don't have as many decor up anymore because today i finally got around to taking the christmas decorations down and hazel actually helped out in a big way she helped me store up the ornaments and um, take the tree down yeah, she's very helpful when she wants to be. Um, Help me find an ornament, and uh, you know, then uh, Grandma came over, both her, Lana, and then uh, Hazel. Or no, she is Hazel and Logan. All three of my kids went over and hung out with Grandma for a little bit, so I can take care of the rest and watch some uh, really terrible football. Uh, got the lights down, tree down, um, and it's an artificial tree, so I wasn't tempted to eat it. I guess there was um, a doctor's warning. God dang it. Uh, going around earlier in the week, uh, doctors, medical professionals warning against eating your Christmas tree. And since I have an artificial one, I'm hoping uh, they're talking about real ones. But then again, why would you put pine needles in your mouth? I guess some people are saying there's some health benefits to that. Um, I don't know if they were watching that 
uh, survivalist channel with that dude from Carmel Creek Wilderness dude. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you're trapped out in the woods, uh, you can survive by boiling parts of a pine tree or something. But they say that that could actually make you sick. So if you're going to get rid of your Christmas tree, do it the old-fashioned way. Either put it in the burn pile if you're out in the country or uh, throw it in the wood chipper or let, wait for the uh, city to come by and recycle it or whatever the hell. Don't eat your Christmas tree. I'm kind of glad that they uh, came out with this a few days after New Year's and not before Christmas because this could have led to some really bad um, TikTok challenges, as you know. It doesn't take much inspiration for people to be pretty dang stupid. Didn't take uh, much inspiration for Jim Ursay to make a really bad season even worse. But lo and behold, he did. Uh, the Colts ended up losing to the lowly Texas... Uh, Texans, Houston Texans, at home, a team that they tied at the beginning of the season. They lost at home to them in like the final minute and a half on a fourth and 20 play. And uh, the Texans tied the game, or they were down one after they scored that touchdown, and they went for two and won it because Sam Ellinger can't move the football worth a damn. And that's basically um, that's basically the core philosophy of the Colts uh, this year offensively. Don't move the ball worth a damn. Uh, and so the Colts ended up losing at home to the Texans, much to the chagrin of fans. Um, but it's worth noting that the Colts were much worse under Jeff Saturday's eight-game reign than they were under the first nine games of the season with Frank Reich. In fact, Frank Reich, in his about, what, four-and-a-half-ish seasons with the Indianapolis Colts, you know, at least his team made two playoff appearances, did have a playoff win. And uh, total record over 500, where Saturday started out with a win over the Raiders, and that was great because the Raiders suck and I hate Josh McDaniels. But ended the season on a two-month losing skid, eight games, or actually, no, I'm sorry, seven games rather, seven-game losing streak, one and seven. Their uh, game margins far worse under him than. Frank Reich. I think I discussed that in a previous podcast. I mean, more than double. I mean, they, they were pretty much losing by 12 points per game on average. Um, and uh, the Colts, sadly, are better, were better under Ryan Grixon than they were Chris Ballard, who, again, has only had, like, um, two playoff appearances to his name. And one of those was with luck, and that was one playoff win and nothing else to show for it. So Black Monday will roll around, and maybe it's already happened by the time you listen to this, and maybe, just maybe through a miracle of Jesus, uh, Jeff Saturday is no longer the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts because he was just in over his head. He should never have accepted the job to begin with. But I uh, say hired him, and uh, Ballard should be out of a job. But, again, he was uh, I think he was given an extension just like Frank Reich was. And the Colts, I think, are still on the uh, hook for Frank Reich for another three seasons where he'll make about $7 or so million dollars per season. This was just a travesty of a year. But uh, thanks to that and some other things, the Colts have the fourth pick in the NFL draft this year. So uh, who knows? They might get lucky and actually draft somebody who can score points. Then again, it really depends on who's making the decisions. There's been some talk about uh, Jim Harbaugh again make uh, making uh, the dive into the NFL. And um, at first I was kind of against it a few years ago because there's some rumor about him coming to the Colts. And that fell through, but you know, because Jim Jim Harbaugh is kind of a weird dude, kind of a intense, high-strung individual. 
but he's had some success the last two seasons with Michigan. I mean, they've been in the national championship picture both times, Big Ten champs. Uh, you know, things didn't work out against TCU. But as soon as that game was over, it was just like, okay, I'm uh, exploring, you know, options in the NFL. And, of course, two of the teams that are rumored to be interested are the Broncos and the Colts. And everybody's like, well, that's kind of abrupt. Well, apparently uh, Jimmy Harbaugh has run into some NCAA recruiting violations that are a big no-no. Or should I say Jim Harburger? Uh, because I guess a couple years back uh, during the COVID when you're not supposed to touch or uh, look at players or whatever the hell is going on, it was these trying times, right? Uh, basically, Hardball took a couple of guys out for burgers, and uh, the NCAA says that's a recruiting violation. Uh, do you have the receipt? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Somehow, the NCAA found the receipts to this meal, and so now Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are looking at some penalties and maybe some suspension time. Yeah, uh, it's just kind of amazing how the NCAA can find receipts for a hamburger joint, but uh, turn a blind eye to a whole bunch of other crap until it's too freaking late. And it makes me wonder, what in the hell Nick Saban and, and the guys at uh, Georgia and Clemson and wherever else are uh, feeding their guys to get them to sign? Because they're actually winning bowl games. But, uh, yeah, you take a kid out for a hamburger, uh, that causes a big crap storm. Um, okay, a couple more football things here. Um, first of all, best of luck to Dwight Freeney and Reggie Wayne. Uh, they are nominated their finalists for the Football Hall of Fame this year. Hopefully they both get in, especially Reggie Wayne, because this is like his fifth time maybe being nominated. And, you know, you, I get it. You know, you're on a team with other legendary players like Peyton Manning and Edron James and, uh, and uh, you know, Marvin Harrison. And you're not necessarily the big star, but you are a big star. You would be the big star on any, on any other team. Just an infinitely talented, athletic, smart receiver. Still not in. He's become the Susan Lucci of uh, football nominations here. Um, but he's nominated as is Dwight Freeney. And uh, Andre Johnson only spent one year for the Colts, and it was not very productive. I mean, he's more known for his uh, for his stats with the Houston Texans, uh, you know, and uh, he's a great career. But I think alone, Andre Johnson should be in the Football Hall of Fame for just beating the crap out of Cortland Finnegan that one game. I I think that video should be on display, at least, in the Football Hall of Fame because Cortland Finnegan was always such a punk. And for a quiet and uh, uh, decent guy like Andre Johnson to just let loose and beat the crap out of him. Mwah, chef's kiss. All right, um, so the big football story is DeMar Hamlin, and uh, it's a good story now. It's, it's becoming better. Scary at the beginning of the week because, I mean, when your heart stops, everything stops, and everybody's wondering what the hell is going to happen to this guy. Uh, you know, they took him to the hospital in Cincinnati, and, and by the way, Cincinnati is just uh, one of the best medical uh, communities in the United States. Uh, I can attest to that because... My great, my great aunt Dorothy back in the early 90s, she was a chronic smoker and she had heart issues and she was, it looked like she was about to damn near die and it, her body was all messed up and they did a procedure uh, that they told her that, you know, it was anywhere from 5 to 20% likely that it would work, but it worked and it bought her another 25 to 30 years of life 
And, you know, these guys were willing to take a risk, and they did it. And my Aunt Dot finally gave up smoking. Of course, she's no longer with us. She passed on about eight years back. But um, it was, it, you know, just, just that place, um, just to be in that place for something like that to happen is miraculous. He's doing well. He's now moving his hands and feet without any problems. Uh, he's off the ventilator. He's still in critical condition. They're still keeping an eye on him because, hell, young dude like that, his heart stops. You want to keep an eye on him. He's talking. He's FaceTiming his teammates. That's It's a good story. Hopefully he continues uh, the road to recovery here. Now, um, I do want to sound off on this uh, to any NFL fan, to anybody. You know, somebody might be asking, well, what does a dude like DeMar Hamlin do with his future now? I mean, does he, you know, stop and think, okay, it's just a game and move on to other things? Or does he say, not F it, I love this game, I shouldn't stop living and live his life that way? Um, I'll say this, it's, it's his call because it's his life. And there is no wrong choice for DeMar Hamlin to make. You know, it's not like he was in the throes of a crystal meth addiction here. He was, you know, doing his job. He's playing football. He tackles a guy. He gets up, and then he falls down, and he's lucky to be alive. I get that. I mean, if, if it's enough for him to say, you know, I just don't have it in me anymore. I do want to spend more time with my family. I want to go on to do other things. It's his right to do so, but if, it, if he's not going to allow this to slow him down in any way, shape, or form, that is his call. And if he wants to get back on the football field, he should. Uh, and it was uh, chronicled that when he woke up, he did ask doctors, hey, did we win? Of course, the doctors said, you did, Damar. You won the game of life. And, of course, the way they, de they delivered it at the uh, press conference was just awkward as hell. And you know, they're doctors, not comedy writers. Um, I don't think they're trying to make it funny, but it was just so weird the way they said it. Very ro robotic. But uh, Damar Hamlin's doing better. Uh, he's doing a lot better than the way the NFL actually handled this whole situation um, because basically they canceled the game. Now, I know before you think I'm being insensitive and uh, skip me a list uh, here, I'm not. I'm just saying uh, the best approach would have been to postpone the game because I get it. Somebody's not breathing. You're probably not in the mood to watch football. You're probably not in the mood to play football. It's a scary situation. It's a little different than somebody, you know, tearing their ACL, being carted off the field because you're like, okay, we're going to win it for him. He's going to be mad that he's not going to be able to play, but we'll carry on. We'll figure out a way. You know, when, when somebody is, like, dead clinically for a second or two on the field and uh, they say, okay, go play, it's kind of hard to get back into that mindset, right? It's not like you're storming the beaches at Normandy. Uh, but I think the best approach would have been, okay, we postpone the game and we resume in 48 hours. Just, you know, and, and get, let the teams get their thoughts together because these are, you know, two top-tier teams, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills, right? And then you'd say, well, okay, it'd be a short week for both these teams. Well, then you make both those teams play Monday. And if it has to be in the afternoon, I get it because the National College Championships Monday night. That would have been the best way to handle this sort of thing. It may not have been ideal. It may not have been pleasant. But there would have been a lot less confusion than some of the uh, all all the wrangling that was going on behind the scenes of the NFL, trying to figure out how in the hell do we make this work, you know. Um, and so they, I guess they kind of went with winning uh, percentages. And you know, the Chiefs won their uh, their game last night against the Raiders because the Raiders got awful. 
Bills and Bengals won their games, but uh, the Chiefs get the number one seed overall. And this is a team, and, and not taking anything away from the Chiefs because, I mean, they're a great team, but this season they did lose to the Bills. They did lose to the Bengals. <clears throat> they lost to the Colts. But, you know, that's neither here or there. Um, so it, it does cause some problems, and there would have been fewer problems from a mathematics standpoint if they had just played the game on a Wednesday and moved their Sunday games up to, uh, you know, Monday afternoon. Again, not the most ideal situation, but it would have been the better situation. But damn it, I'm glad DeMar Hamlin's doing better. And by the way, uh, was it Emily Ratajkowski, the supermodel that looks like a blow-up doll? Uh, she does. Uh, I guess, you know, she knows everything about dating and men, and I'm not going to get into that because it involves Pete Davidson, but she did tweet, uh, F the NFL. Uh, lady, go eat a sandwich because I don't think you have any right to talk about anybody's health right now. I don't think you're all that healthy right now. Um, one dude that's doing better is Jeremy Renner, the actor. Um, and uh, he's in the ICU out there in uh, Nevada. And what happened was around New Year's, he, uh, was, I think a family member got a truck stuck somewhere on his property. He was trying to help them out. And he gets crushed by the machine i think the right side of his body got crushed by this thing his legs are bleeding uh you know they're talking about lung collapsing looking at some of these details they're gruesome and the fact that he's still alive is miraculous the fact that jeremy renner is conscious right now is uh miraculous and you know he's doing the instagram thing the social media thing just to show people that he's alive and normally i'm not big on you know everybody saying hey look at me look at me look at me but, you know, he showed, uh, I guess, his sister and his mom visiting and one of them giving him a scout massage. And then uh, he, he gave a shout-out to the medical staff and thanked them profusely for, uh, you know, keeping him alive, helping him uh, start his recovery. And I'm just thinking, that's a freaking class act right there. Um, I know, you know, he's kind of a standoffish, aloof type of guy um, in, the, in the Hollywood press and all that, but the fact that, you know, here is a guy that uh, basically damn near died, still is now the woods yet, and is still very appreciative of the uh, medical people around him and, you know, his family, uh, that that deserves major kudos right there. I think, I think if we had more of that from, like, Hollywood types, things would be a lot better. Because there's always that kind of the the uh, grandstanding and the and the finger pointing and the morality and all that other fun stuff that they they like to throw at us and things like that. And uh, you see something like this and it seems a lot better. Whereas somebody like Ed Norton is just an unbearable a hole. And um, you know he's in the new Glass Onion movie, that new uh, Ryan Johnson Netflix whatever. And I guess um, James Cameron offered him a role in Avatar 2, Way of the Ferngully, right? And, uh, you know, the movie's made about a billion and a half dollars, so I'm assuming it's safe. You know, the $2 billion thing, I'll get to in a second. But uh, Ed Norton said, the only way I'm going to play in this is if I play one of the blue people, not the industrialist humans. I'm either Navi, Navy, whatever the hell they're called, or I'm nothing. Uh, so he went off to do another movie. Um... Just think about that. How, how, how insufferable do you have to be to be more insufferable than James Cameron? Kind of weird to think about, right? Uh, like I said, um, Avatar Two is making a billion and a half dollars. I think it will eventually make two billion dollars, but 
I think it broke even a long time ago, and that when uh, the Hollywood press was reporting, oh yeah, it needs to make. When, when Jim, when James Cameron said that, I think he was just kind of being, you know, uh, deadpan and off the cuff. I think he was kidding because it did cost a lot of money to make. Uh, but the way the Hollywood press guy carried it, it was like, oh, it must be true because of, you know Hollywood celebrity said it. So it, yeah, it looks like um, uh, <laughs> James Cameron has no problem eating in the near future. Okay, uh, this was a mess I wanted to avoid for a while, but uh, I'm getting pulled into it, and I am unfortunately having to defend Celine Dion. I'm not a big fan of Celine Dion, not necessarily because she's done anything to me, per se. It's just that you know, it's, uh, she sings a different type of thing that I'm into. But, I mean, it goes without saying, she's one of the greatest vocalists of all time, and Rolling Stone recently put out its uh, top 200 singers of all time, and unfortunately, I skimmed through this prior to recording this podcast, and it is god-awful the list overall. Um, I can't be mad about number one, Aretha Franklin, or number two, Whitney Houston, or hell, number three, uh, Sam Cooke. I mean, top three is respectable, okay? But the rest of the list is garbage. And Celine Dion was left off entirely. While people like uh, Rihanna and Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish, Bumble Girl, and Burger, uh, they're all in the top 200. Celine Dion isn't even sniffing that. Um, and Celine Dion is somebody who has sold over 250 million albums worldwide in her career. And I know that's kind of an old metric because we now talk about streaming and stuff, but that has to be. That has to count for something. And I imagine her streaming numbers are nothing to sneeze at either. Um, you know, when you do these lists, I mean, talent has a lot to do with it. But you, it has the performer, the vocalist, has to connect with somebody on an emotional level. And, I, you know, she may not have connected with me, but she's connected with millions and millions of other people. You don't have to make Celine Dion number one. You don't even have to make her number, you know, in the top ten. But to leave her off entirely, what an oversight! And a lot of this, a lot of this list is garbage. Um, Beyonce should not be in the top ten. Freddie Mercury being only fourteen is a crime. Uh, Sinatra, I think, was fifteen. Looking at the rock performers, Glenn Danzig was one hundred ninety-nine. You know, I don't even think rock fans would put Glenn Danzig in a top ten, top twenty-five vocalist of all time. Uh, type of list. I don't even think he would sniff top 100. Uh, Bob Seger was 181. Iggy Pop 176. I mean, I like Iggy, but eh. Dio was only 165. Axl Rose has got a polarizing voice. He's at 134. Uh, Kurt Cobain was on the list in the in the 30s, I think. I'm sorry. I mean, I, lo I love Kurt Cobain, but uh, he shouldn't rank that high. And Bob Dylan ranked over a bunch of people. And it was just sad to see things. I mean, Granted, this is a list that encompasses a bunch of genres. We're talking pop, we're talking hip-hop, we're talking R&B, blues, country, uh, we're talking folk, we're talking alternative rock, metal. It goes across all genres, but this was just such a tone-deaf list. And to see somebody as talented as, say, like um, Diana Ross, 87th on this list, uh, and I'm more of a rock guy, but, you know, if I was to describe Diana Ross's voice to you, 
it, it kind of just kind of grows on you suddenly. It's like you walk into a bakery or you walk into a kitchen and somebody starts baking bread and the room just kind of fills up with that sweet aroma. That's kind of like her voice. And I'm not talking like the, you know, the bashy in the face aroma that Subway bread has when you go into there. I'm talking like just this easy thing to it. And it just, it's so warm and inviting. I don't know how to describe it aside from that. But for her to only be 89 on this list. And Kurt, Courtney Love is on this list. Now, again, I'm listing all this crap here. It's it's amazing, but it's not amazing because you have to keep in mind that Rolling Stone is a politics first magazine, disguised as music second magazine. Uh, uh, magazine, and uh, you know this is a band that got Led Zeppelin, AC/DC, Van Halen all wrong back in the '60s and '70s, and just you know poo pooed them. They gave uh, Nirvana's Nevermind album only three stars when it initially came out, and it became a game changer. Became you know a phenomenon and here they are the ranking music and uh, they can't even add your mom's favorite singer who has sold 250 million albums worldwide to their friggin list now there's Celine Dion fans that are protesting uh, maybe they should get a life I yeah I agree it's a little excessive but man this, this is wipe your ass with this thing it is a terrible list although I will say it was cool to see uh, Tom York get some recognition and David Bowie is indeed one of the most underrated singers of all time, I think, because, you know, everybody talks about how he's such a chameleon and he blends into things. You forget how good he is vocally. Young Americans, he sings his ass off on that thing. All right, um, moving on. You, you remember last week uh, I was talking about the two leads from the Romeo and Juliet movie that Paramount put out. This is like last, last episode. Uh, they put it out in the 60s. Every high school showed it, and there's some underage nudity. You know, these guys, these, this guy in Gower, 15, 16 at the time. And up until recently, they were defending it, but uh, California has removed the statute limits, so now they can sue for a reasonable amount of $500 million. You know, it's the Nirvana penis baby revolution. But what I think I should be calling this instead of that is the Harry and Meghan revolution. You too can make a buttload of money if you are perpetually the victim. And it's been how many years since they've left the palace and they're still playing the victim card? I mean, they, they had the big interview on with Oprah two or three years back. Uh, they just had the big Netflix series, which, the love of God, I don't know why anybody's obsessed with these people. And now, you know, 60 Minutes was touting the fact that they've got uh, Harry on. And he's talking about how he was victimized. He's got a book coming out, by the way. He's selling his life. So you know how much of a victim he is. And then Michael Strahan, of all people, will talk to him on Good Morning America Monday morning. This big press blitz because Harry and Meghan are victims. In fact, I think one of the things that have been revealed is that, um, um, was it, William and his wife. Uh, you know, they, just to show you how much of a, a royal watcher I am and how caffeinated I am, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Uh, they, they encouraged him to dress up like a Nazi that one time for Halloween. Because, as you know, as a human being, you don't have the capability of telling another human being, no, you just do as you're told. You know, you know that almost sounds kind of Nazi-esque. Um, but, like, he doesn't have a will of his own. You know, it's just, this act has to get tiring sometime, right? I, and I've never understood... I've never understood living vicariously 
through other people like the way a lot of these uh you know gossip mag people do these gossip site people do i mean there's only so much i want to know about other people other people that are famous these two people do nothing and yet we talk about them all the time it's almost making me miss kim kardashian you know have have more kim kardashian so i can hear less of Harry and Meghan, please, because I, at least I don't think Kim Kardashian makes herself out to be the victim. I could be way off base, but then again, I don't pay attention to Kim Kardashian either. But there they are. They're selling themselves again. Europeans, right? Oh, a couple of hits uh, from the European side of things here. Um, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, Europe is complaining. Uh, this this uh, gossip, not a gossip magazine. She's a columnist. She was talking about uh, how uh, Cadbury's being sued here stateside. And uh, this you know, this is in the UK, and she's bitching about how bad American chocolate is. It's just so bad. It's not as good as European chocolate, blah, 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 blah. Because it's stuffed with this. And it's just, it's it's amazing, first of all, because, A, yes, a lot of mass-produced food in America and across the world doesn't taste all that great because it's mass-produced and it has to be shipped out. Okay, I get that a Reese's Cup... Or a bag of M and M's, bag of them. I can pronounce M and M's. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry it's not gourmet, but it's it'll do. It won't kill you. And secondly, um, in, in the UK, I mean, you guys have given us blood pudding, uh, kidney pie, uh, let's see haggis, fish and chips is you know basically fries and fish wrapped in newspaper. You're bitching about uh, mass-produced chocolate here stateside. You might want to clean up uh, your side of the ocean a little bit, culinary-wise. I mean, pick apart any culture's food. I mean, Italian food's great, Mexican food's great, but I'm sure there's some shit food that they don't want you to know about. Oh, uh, uh, one last thing, I guess. Um, speaking of M&Ms, hey, I pronounced it right this time. Uh, in honor of women, they're going to have a bag of female-only M&Ms, like for the cartoon M&Ms. <laughs> like, so it's green, it's purple, and I think it's dark brown and uh, all the all the patriarchy colors like red yellow and orange uh will not be allowed I, you know you, to be fair though this should only be plain m&ms it shouldn't be in the in any m&m that has nuts in it you got to keep it real ladies who knew after all this time you know candy has genitalia makes you feel kind of like a cannibal doesn't it Alright, uh, with that all said and done, I am done. Until next week, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 